Come be a part of the Tea Party with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board Doc Holliday's Tea Party right now. It's only a click away. Wow, it's the last week of June, and you're listening to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. I'm your host, Ed Holliday. You're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net, and we got some breaking news. You're going to only hear right here on Doc Holliday's Tea Party. So, tea partiers, get ready. Now, Tea Partiers, I want to tell you about some breaking news. You're only going to hear right here on Doc Holliday's Tea Party. Osama bin Laden is still dead, and America is better off for it, and the world is better off for it. So I want to let everybody to understand that, that we are glad that you are here listening to us. We're letting you know that this show is put together in a way will help educate you, help you understand what's going on. I'm giving you a Doc Holliday's view of thunder on the mountain when it comes to presidential politics. So that's today's show, Thunder on the Mountain. We got some thunder in presidential politics. We're going to be talking about it right here. And you need to know what come to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. We're going to help decipher some of the things that are going on. And let you see into what the world is building up to the elections of 2012. We have a special guest today. All the way from New York. You're going to listen to her and see what she has to say. Who does she want to be president? But there's an interesting person in the state of New York, upstate New York, an African-American lady, school teacher, and she has got somebody on her heart and mind that she wants to run for the Republican nomination, and she's going to tell us about that in just a few minutes, so stay tuned for that. Now, we gotta, we're going to get to the news. we got a couple items that, again, you just don't hear other places, and it's out there in the news, but we need to let it be known all across the Tea Party world so the real lamestream media will pick it up and 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 start letting people know. So a couple items we won't get to. One has to do with Obamacare, and the other one has to do with the job situation. This week's Doc Holliday's Tombstone of the Week Award going out for an action, an action that is beyond uh, belief now, and and what's going on with the liberal press and how they're portraying it. So listen to this week's Doc Holliday's Tombstone Awards. That. So here we go. Today's show, let's get right into a couple of news items. Number one is what I told y'all about. This actually comes with the Associated Press. Let me get these papers here and just tell you. The Associated Press put out this story, and it's, it's, it's like, hey, we, did we not tell you? But they just came out finding out that some early retirees could be a new group to be covered by Medicaid. That when the retirees are waiting to get on Medicare at 60, age 65, with the Obama plan, a lot of them will have some time to wait before they can get on Medicare. So who's going to cover them? It will be Medicaid. Almost free to them, free to three or four million people, they estimate, that, that will come into this situation. 
And who pays for it? You and me, the taxpayers. Oh, my goodness. They say that the Congressional Budget Office, that for some reason, they just missed that. So much was coming on them. They said they just now understanding that there's going to be a lot more liability to the Obamacare. Now, tell me, what else is in this bill that Nancy Pelosi so infamous infamously said we must pass it to know what's in it we still don't know what's in it and we're looking at they said it would be um, unbelievable as far as the actuary's office said that the early retirees eligible for medicaid would be on top of an estimated 16 to 20 million new people that are already planned to go on to the obama's uh medic medicaid program and now on top of those that the states are going to have to Pitch in and pay for it. Obamacare would say, oh, we'll, we'll pitch in the first year or two. I forget what it is. But the states are going to have to raise taxes. They're going to have to do something because they're going to have an enormous amount of a Medicaid burden to go go with. And now we're just now finding out this is something new that there's going to be an el eligibility for retirees that are in, uh, enough of Social Security when they retire at 62 but uh, still staying you know, well above poverty means, but they're still going to be eligible for Medicaid. Mort Zuckerman, United States U.S. News and Report, had, a, had an article, a very good article, written about what's going on with the job situation. He described some of the things. He's, he was talking about, talking about 54,000 new jobs. The Bureau of Labor Statistics assumed that 206,000 jobs were created by newly formed companies that its analysts believe but cannot prove were in effect born in May under the so-called birth-death model. What they do, he's talking about when they get the statistics, they rely, it relies primarily on historical extrapolations. And, you know, without, he said this is a generous assumption, especially when we look at a slowing economy. We had 54,000 new jobs last year. And I, I mentioned a couple, I mean last month. And I mentioned half of those were McDonald's. Half of those jobs were McDonald's. And now we're finding out this was an estimate. This was an estimate that assumed that 206,000 jobs were created. And it said that last year the Bureau assumed that 192,000 jobs were created through new startups in a comparable month. But on review, most of them, they had to take them out because, as they said, the startups have been distressingly weak given the lack of financing and traditional sources of money. And so we're finding out somebody's monkeying with statistics to make them look better. And that's why you can look around, and he said, and he went on his article, said, where are we today? We have seemingly added jobs, but it's not because hiring has increased. It's because... We are not losing jobs as fast as we were. In other words, this is what he's saying. The pace of the layoffs has diminished. And, but that's not the same thing as more people getting jobs. And he cautions us about the employment numbers because so many people have stopped looking. They, get, they don't get counted in the unemployment statistics that say there's 9.1% unemployment. It's really closer to 16% when you add in all these fudged numbers. Uh, in the Battle of Gettysburg, you can go back. It's in, it's in one of the Rock of Liberty speeches. But let me give you a, a little, a little slice of the Battle of Gettysburg. I know this because some members of uh, distant relatives were in this thing. But on the first day of the battle, 
there was a confederate in the midst of a, the battle on the first day, and and they were running and and had the Yankees on the run, had the Union troops on the run, right on the outskirts of Gettysburg, and then Union troops started firing back, and they they looked around, and there was this beautiful place for defense they could hide. It was a railroad cut. They had a they had, were working on cutting a channel for a, a railroad to go. Uh, into the ground so we go under a, a bridge and and all the confederate soldiers from the unit from north mississippi where some of my relatives were fighting for from and and they uh long dead relatives i'll remind you but they they ran to that place because they knew they had safety they could hide from the yankee bullets and they all ran to the railroad cut right there just on the outskirts of gettysburg and they were safe for a season a short season because what happened all of a sudden when they all ran and clustered down in there to the railroad cut then they understood it was so deep they couldn't look out and see where the yankees were the only way they could see or fire their guns they had to get somebody to stand on their shoulders before long the yankees had them surrounded instead of shooting fish in a barrel so to speak the confederates didn't have anything to do. This unit of Confederates didn't have anything to do but to surrender because, I mean, they were all sitting ducks. And why am I telling you this story? It's because everybody thought it was just the right thing to do. Get, borrow a trillion dollars. Just just start throwing it out, throwing it out, and giving it to people and giving it to the people who helped get the Democrats elected, giving it to the unions and um, the, to keep the union jobs going. And it was a beautiful way. It was they say we'll we'll a prime we gotta prime the pump, get the economy going. A trillion dollars is eight hundred billion, and then of course the interest and all that is way over a trillion now. What I'm saying is it was the easiest thing to do. And just like the Confederates running to that railroad cut for safety, the liberals thought they're gonna run right to that easy thing, just just borrow a trillion dollars we didn't have handed out to their friends to help get them elected. They would get them reelected in 2010. They would get stronger and stronger, but it did not work that way. Just like the Confederates who thought they were going to safety, and they did go to safety for a short season, but they were surrounded by the enemy. I'm telling you, that's exactly what happened with the economy. If we put the far left in control, they gave money away. They took money from the taxpayers, gave it to their friends, and thought, that was going to get our economy going. They just thought everybody would start hiring people. Oh, this will prime the pump. Didn't have a clue how to make a profit. Did not want people to make a profit. You don't hire new workers unless you're making a profit, unless you've got the hope to make a profit. And when you start raising taxes, putting Obamacare on, stuffing it down their throats, these are the things that keep people from wanting to hire anyone. Because you know what? It costs a lot with the regulations and all the taxes, the liability. Each worker comes with a cost, and you've got to make sure that you're going to have this worker to help make you a profit. If you can't make that profit, you're not going to hire them. And there's not, well, I won't say there's not one, but there's very few people in this administration that's ever run a business, that's ever had to pay employees, and that is a problem America is suffering from, especially Main Street America, right now, we're suffering from ignorance, just absolute business ignorance. Now, and before I go on, let me say, 
You're listening to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. I'm your host, Ed Holliday. And we like to talk about things here that sometimes you won't hear anywhere else. I doubt you'll hear about the, the economics uh, parallel to the economic mess we're in today to the Confederates running into the uh, railroad cut on the first day of Gettysburg. But that's why you're listening to Doc Holliday's Tea Party, and that's why I love doing this, to help use a little bit of history to understand why we make some of the stupid mistakes just like uh, the people in charge and the far left has done today. Now, told you we got thunder on the mountain. Thunder on the mountain in presidential politics. Another Republican has just come out to run. The former governor, John Huntsman of Utah, former uh, ambassador under the, in the Obama administration to China. What else is thunder on the mountain? Well, of course. If you not heard it, out in Texas, everything's big in Texas, and everybody's wondering if Governor Rick Perry jumps into this race, if he'll be so big, it'll splash some people out, and it'll make such a big splash, he'll get momentum, and nobody will ever stop him. Will that happen? Thunder on the mountain. I hear some thunder. What else is happening? Well, what's Sarah Palin doing? Is she going to get in? She made a statement like she sure would like to stir up what's going on. She's on her tour. And I'm going to tell you, our special guest we'll be having just a few minutes is going to talk about some of the, one of these three. So listen and see who she talks about. Now, I got to tell you one thing what people are asking. Doc Holliday, what do you think? Who are you for? I, you've heard me. I really like Herman Cain. I've not endorsed anybody. I'm still saying, like I told you way back in uh, February, we don't know every player in the game yet, I don't think. We've seen several drop out and not get in it. Is everybody in yet? Don't know. That's what we hear that rumbling on the mountain of presidential politics. Huntsman's in. This is my. This is what I'm going to tell you about John Huntsman. He's one of the moderates. He. You watch him. The mainstream media is going to pump him up. They're going to praise him. They're going to say he's the man that can beat Obama possibly. They're going to do everything they can to push the conservatives toward the middle, get them more moderate. They do not like strong conservatives. And that is what they're going to try to do is, is pump up uh, ex-governor, former governor, John Huntsman. He's got some good ideas, but he is not a core conservative. Believe me, he is not. Rick Perry. Well, he's been in office. He just got elected for a third term in Texas, governor of Texas. So he's got a record of being strong. He's got some things that, of course, a governor, being governor, uh, being elected a third term, you're going to make some enemies. So, yes, he's got some enemies out there, but he's got some strong conservative beliefs. Sarah Palin, is she going to jump in? By all means, I said back uh, two or three months ago, I don't believe she's going to jump in. But we're going to... See what happens. We hear this rumbling on the mountain. That's in presidential politics. That's what we got to find out is who is going to get the momentum. Nobody's gotten the momentum. Romney, we would say, is the uh, front runner now. And all kind of polls try to push him. I do believe the press will try to push Romney and Huntsman. But we, we will see uh, what, is, uh, what the Tea Party does. I believe there's enough people in the Tea Party movement like you, and I'm glad you're listening to us because we are making a difference. We made a difference last year in the 2010 elections, and I'll tell you this now, the Tea Party is not going to let the mainstream media pick the next Republican nominee. 
Say amen to that right there where you are. We're going to make some noise. And by golly, we're going to get in there and we're going to vote. And we're going to make sure we get a core conservative that's not afraid to stand up to these whoop-de-doo liberals. You know what a whoop-de-doo liberal is? It's someone who just believes that Ted Kennedy uh, cannot make a mistake. And one thing at Ted Kennedy's funeral, if you remember, and if anybody watched it, people coming up to eulogize him, and it was a senator, former Senator Dodd pretty much said, well, Kennedy, I always say, let the conservatives win a few as long as we keep pushing the whole thing to the left. And that's exactly what has happened, and that's what the mainstream media is going to do. They're going to try to, to, they call it the radical right, the far right wing, the hate wing. They do all these things to, to try to marginalize the people that they do not want in there because they want the overall picture of America to keep pushing to the left. There's only one person that really stood up strong and pulled this thing back to the right, and that was Ronald Reagan. All the others, I'm talking about George W. Bush, others, what they did with spending was not what Reagan would have done. We got, we got to find us a core conservative that can stand up and say, if we don't have the money, we can't spend it. And if we need to make money, we got to cut taxes. we got to show that this economy can grow and people can get jobs because people have hope that with the money they invest, it's going to be worth more in the next few years. And that's when you start hiring people. I told you about an interview we had coming up. This is a lady, a wonderful lady from upstate New York, and she's a school teacher. Her name is Adrienne Ross, and we're going to uh, get to her right now. And before I call her up on the phone here, I'm going to tell you, she does have a website. You can go to www.motivationtruth.com. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and, and uh, your position on some of, the, some of our political policies. Well, um, not only am I a black and uh, and in from New York, but I'm also a public school teacher. Right. So, uh, so that surprises people even more when they think of uh, when they don't usually equate those things with being a conservative. But um, indeed, I am. I'm a registered Republican, and um, I'm a firm believer. As far as my my position politically, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in the in the values of, of conservatism and. And I do think that it serves the black community much better than any liberal policy ever ever would. It just to me, it's just common sense. Adrian, so, did you uh, did, did you come to this later in life, or you or were you raised in a conservative family? Well, it's interesting because most of my life I wasn't interested in politics at all. I was raised by Democrats, um, and yet at the same time I was I was raised by people of faith, and so I, I do see them as being um, socially conservative as I do see many black people being social, social conservatives. But as far as I'm concerned, I wasn't interested in politics at all uh, up until the last several, several years. And as a public school teacher, now, as far as how does that work out when, uh, say, in your classroom and, and you see other teachers, do you see any kind of liberal slant? Or- I think there are people who, um, who keep politics out of it, but I do think that there is a definite liberal slant. Um, there was an issue uh, a couple years ago where, um, actually last year, where they tried to, uh, somebody put up a, a, an article about Governor Palin. It was, it was not true. That was something that I had to fight and, and go to, this, to the, even to the superintendent to get it removed and to have a, a, um, a retraction issued. 
So um, you definitely see a liberal slant in, in public education, which is, if I were a parent, I would I would be concerned about. And of course, there are those who, who do keep it keep their politics to themselves. But, now, um, so. uh, uh, Adrian, uh, you, and you mentioned Governor Palin there. What what is it about Governor Palin that you you like? Uh, you said you knew there was something that was wrong, and then you had to get it corrected. But uh, do you do you like Governor Palin's policy? What she stands for? A strong conservative woman. Uh, tell me what is it that that excites you about uh, Governor Palin? She is a strong conservative. First of all, um, what excites me about her is that she is what I call the real deal. She is um, a woman of, of great character, which is why she took on corruption in the state of Alaska. Wow. She was, uh, had an amazing approval rating in Alaska before, of course, uh, she was tapped for VP and, and the media decided to, to attack her. Her record was amazing. Um, she's pro-life. She's pro-constitution. To me, she has the full package of all the, the names of the people that, that are being, uh, that are possible candidates for 2012 presidency. She's the one that has it, has it all. A love for this country, a business background, um, executive experience, um, the, the courage, the ethics. She's been through the ringer. She stood the test of time. She is a true common sense conservative. And to me, she stands far above anyone else whose name is being mentioned in terms of the presidency. You know, you mentioned in the terms of the presidency that you like Sarah Palin. We don't know if she's going to run or not, and there's a lot of people who like Sarah Palin. They want her, want her to run, but if she chooses not to run, who would you likely support? Who would be your next candidate? Have you thought through that? I, I have not because I still believe that. I mean, obviously I'm listening to what everyone has to say. I watched the debate the other night. But I, it is my it is my prayer, it is my hope that she does decide to to throw her name in because again I really believe that she is the only one um, who has the complete package. I believe there are other people who have bits and pieces, but she has the full package and she has the fight in her. She's been through it all. She's the most vetted, particularly with this whole email thing that's come out. Yes. She's the, yeah, she's the most vetted, and um, and I believe that she's the only one who could take on President Obama. And so I hope she, you know, I hope she, I hope she does. And obviously, until she says she's not, I'm going to be assuming that that it's a very real possibility. Well, on her, uh, she's doing this uh, American tour, uh, tour in some of the places of our history. And when she does that, people say, "Well, she's running for presidency." And some, and then, of course, the media loves to say, "Oh, she's just out trying to make money." And, and yet, at the heart, I know she loves this country. And I've, of course, I've got to meet her, and I know you've met her. And what she brings out in crowds, the people come to see her, she brings out a patriotism that I don't think I've seen since anybody since uh, Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. I believe that's true. She, she does love this country. There's no way in the world anyone could go through uh, what, what she has gone through, endure it, if it were not for love of country. Um, and, and she has sparked that in other people. I, I've written about this as well because I do, I do blog and... Um, one of the things I said is, I don't know, as much as I, I, I do appreciate America, I don't know that I ever said that I loved my country as much. I, I don't think until she came along, she sparked an awareness and a love for this country and a love for our military that, um, that I don't think was deep within me to the extent that it is now before she came on the scene. Now, that's a powerful statement that you just made, that she actually sparked that in you. And, and 
when when you say that, do you think there are others out there? Obviously, people come to hear her speak, but do you, do you know of others that have that have been changed by the way that uh, she has sparked that love for country? Absolutely, absolutely. There's, I mean, even when you look at the Tea Party, and I'm not and I'm not just saying that um, that she represents the full Tea Party, but she is a very leading voice within the party, and you find so many people who are just regular, ordinary, average Americans, and many of whom will say they never, they were never driven to really get involved, some, not just in the Tea Party, but people in general, until she came along. There was something about her. Was, she, was, um, she was a patriot. She is a patriot. Just common sense, and it sparked something in so many people. She has the ability. That's why I say the complete package. Not only the experience that she has, but also, she's the only one who can elicit that, the, the kind of enthusiasm that, that she does. Um, and it's because we see it in her. We see what she's gone through. We see what the media puts her through. And yet, she continues to do what she does. And I know it's for no other reason than that she loves, that she loves this country and she cares about the future of our nation. And Adrian, let me ask you, I'm going to ask you a tough question here and see if you... Uh, give me an answer that you think, and if you don't want to answer, you don't have to, but one of the things I've noticed in the liberal media and what I've seen, and you've probably seen it too over the last couple of years or since she ran as vice president, I have seen, uh, it seems like a, a some, some high ups in the Democratic Party. Actually, a lot of, I've seen them actually mock Sarah Palin and put her down and like, President Obama is an intellectual, and then he, you know, and Sarah Palin's not even in the same league with President Obama. Have you noticed that? And why would we see that? Why would we see that coming out of anybody? Um, right, that, I have, that's a good, yeah, good answer. I've seen a lot of mocking. I've seen uh, this elitist attitude. Um, and yet President Obama came with, what, no experience at all, right. uh, other than being a community organizer. I mean, um, as a senator, he was mostly uh, running for president, and he voted president constantly. So he didn't even have a record to run on. She, of course, has an incredible record that the media has tried to distort. And unfortunately, people have bought into, the media has done what it intended to do, and that is to make her seem unintelligent um, and make her seem unfit uh, to lead. And a lot of people, unfortunately, do not do their own research. They don't know her record. They don't, they don't know what she brings to the table. And they hate her with a hatred that is very, very rare. And borders, I always say, on, I call it Palin derangement syndrome. It borders on the demonic, if you ask me. And now tell me um, what kind of syndrome, what do you call it? Again, what syndrome was that, Adrian? We call it PDS, which is Palin derangement syndrome. Okay, PDS. Well, I like yeah. that. It's not based on facts. It's not based on truth. It's a it's a response that just seems to be come from the from the gut of people. And yet, when you stop and you ask people, if you ever have an opportunity to ask people, okay, what is it about her policies that you have an issue with? Uh-huh. How many how many Americans really would argue with lower taxes? How many Americans would argue with um, encouraging business, encouraging the free market, and you know? Uh, what is the hatred a result of? Not caring about the future of this country, not loving our military, not believing in the Constitution? What real reason does anyone have to truly try to demean her? Well, that because is... she's uh, one of the people? I mean, 
isn't that what we want, someone we can relate to, and yet someone who has the experience to lead us in a, in a positive direction? How do you blame somebody who, for caring enough and loving their country enough to want to make a difference? And that's exactly what, what I, was, I mentioned earlier. And, and it's something about Sarah Palin is like a lightning rod that seems to bring out a, just a vitriol of anger and hatred. And I, I would say because for years we've been told if you're, you know, if you're for uh, women, then, then you've got to be for abortion. You know, they, won't, they want everybody to think about the, the intelligent, educated, political woman as somebody that's for abortion. And yet here comes Sarah Palin with all this uh, patriotism and a lot of fans, and, and she is staunchly pro-life, and she proved it by giving birth to, you know, yeah. uh, Trig. Absolutely. You, you, definitely, you definitely hit the nail on the head, because she, she is the real deal, and she walks the walk. And I believe that the fact that Trig, Trig is a reminder to many people of the fact that, um, that she is real and that she's put her money where her mouth is, so to speak. They they want they don't want somebody who's, who can say you know what I'm pro life and then can say you know what I, I've lived out those principles even when it was difficult even when it was less than ideal circumstances and I believe that she's a reminder to them of probably what they don't like within themselves. When it comes to foreign policy and I know uh, that's what they just uh, the, for an interview of Katie Couric back when she was VP and they just. Uh, just ridiculed and played, you know, I don't know how many hours of tape they got, and they just played that one where she made a mistake over and over and over and tried to impress it in the, in the mind of the American people, and they actually did. And do you, do you think that Sarah Palin can recover from that when you look at a general election? If she was to get in the race and win the nomination for the Republican Party, do you think she could actually win over that group of people that's already been brainwashed that, that she's – not comparable to President Obama. She's not. Listen, she's not going to win over people who refuse to be won over. Uh-huh. She's not going to win over people who don't care about facts. But I choose to believe that most Americans love this country enough that they're going to listen. So she throws her name in in the in the ring there. If she throws her hat in the ring. Um, they're going to have to listen if they're paying attention at all. If they're going to be watching primaries when she if she's watching the debates. She's going to hold her own very well. I, I very much look forward to seeing her um, in, in a debate situation. And I believe as she begins to speak unfiltered by the media, people are going to see her for who she truly is. Just as there are people who read Going Rogue, there have been many people who said, you know what, I, I like her now that I've read her book. Or someone who said on the, on the, um, the One Nation bus tour that she's been on, I liked her 10 minutes after I met her more than I did prior meeting her there's something about hearing someone speak unfiltered if you're listening if you care about truth that's going to transform the way you think there are a few people who don't care what she has to say they're determined to hate her regardless but you know what that's got to be the minority well adrian you know you've of course you've met and uh, gone to events with uh, governor palin and, and i've been able to meet her twice now, and, and she, what you said, I think that's the way to sum it up. People ask me what she's like. Well, she's the real deal. She is right. the real deal. She is. Uh, she absolutely is. Well, I know you got to go. Got another interview coming up. I just want to say thank you for coming on Doc Holliday's Tea Party and uh, and telling us about Sarah Palin, somebody that knows her inside and out, and you've met her, done things with her, and, and, and here you are telling us and telling the country that, Sarah Palin could take on President Obama, and she could win. That's your feelings, is it not? Uh, absolutely. As she says, game on. 
Um, I have, I believe absolutely that she could take him on. And not only that, I believe we need her. We need her in it. And, and I hope that she puts her name in there and, uh, and we'll see exactly what she can do. All right. Well, thank you, Adrian. Thank you, Mr. Holliday. I appreciate it. And that was Adrian Ross. And if you want to find out more about what she does, you can go to her website at www.motivationtruth.com. A couple of nuggets. Number one, what Adrian speaking to her, and you should have heard that listening, is there are people in America, all across America, from the South to Alaska, all the way to New York where Adrian lives, they have a passion for Sarah Palin. Now, you have heard me on this show, and I've spoken it many times, that I like Sarah Palin and the Tea Party and her efforts to help strengthen America. I personally don't think she's going to run. But as you heard Adrian, she's hoping and she's not going to support anybody till she sees what uh, Sarah Palin does. So there are people out there. Now this goes to the second nugget. And one nugget, there's a lot of people that love Sarah Palin and they uh, fight for it. And there's a lot of women, just like Adrian, who would look at an African-American woman in new york a school teacher and find and think that she was a uh, want sarah palin to run and would get out and support her so sarah palin has spoken to the hearts and minds of many people that the mainstream media just likes to uh they they like to act like they don't have any brains if they're sarah palin fans but you got to remember there's a lot of people without brains that obviously vote because we can look who we got in the White House. Okay, uh, nugget number two is Sarah Palin can have a very big effect on who wins the nomination even if she does not choose to run. If she chooses not to run but directs her guns toward a candidate, that can give her some that can give firepower to that candidate. That can, uh, that can be very uh, beneficial and monumental into the momentum that will be needed to uh, secure the Republican nomination. Two nuggets that we got from Adrian Ross. Now, I've got to tell you about a Rock of Liberty speech, and this time we're combining the Rock of Liberty speech with our Doc Holliday's Tombstone of the Week Award. It goes to... The actions of this president and this administration about Libya. We are now past 60 days. The War Powers Act is, uh, is, being, is being just not only ignored, it's being butchered. Now, if Congress wants the war, then by golly, get it authorized. But for this administration to say that there's no hostilities going on when people are dying from the bombs made by the United States of America, sent there by our ships and our airplanes, we're just crazy, absolutely crazy if we say it's not hostilities. Now, somebody in Congress needs to get the backbone. We have the separation of powers, judicial, executive, and legislative. If the legislative does not want to uh, do their part of the separation of powers, then by all means, let's throw them out, Republicans and Democrats. But as long as there's a law on the books, we are obligated to that law. And this administration's been flaunting its nose and just picking what it won't pick and choose. You don't pick and choose the laws when you live by a constitution. That reason, this administration's actions on Libya of going to war, we've passed the 60 days, we've passed the 90 day mark now. And you're supposed to, a president has 60 days to go in 
without authorization from Congress, but then got 30 days to get troops out, and now we haven't done anything. And this president and his actions on Libya, without any authorization from Congress, waging war, an illegal war, for that, he gets the tomb, uh, his actions get the tombstone of the week award. Doc Holliday's tombstone of the week award. If we got, if you don't like the War Powers Act, then then vote it out. You had all the uh, the Senate and the House and all the authority last year. You could, if you didn't like it, then you could have voted it out. And you didn't, so you obey the law or get out of the White House. This is the United States of America. We're a nation that lives by laws. If you don't understand that, then get out of the way and let's get a president who does. Now, this show is going on. Special show. We had a lot to talk about, and we will see you next week. I'm telling you, the thunder on the mountain's happening. Don't forget to go wheresthejobs.com. Go to my website, www.teaparty.ms, and there I just want you to check out what's out there. Get the book, walk with me, and I'll see you next week. Glad to have you. New listeners, come back and hear us again next week. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today, and remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Tea Party. You can order Ed's book, Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide, from the Boston Tea Party to today's Tea Party Revolution by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.